Hello, everyone. Welcome to Free Reverie, hosted by your one and only Jujubee. If you haven't noticed, that's me. This is a podcast talking about anything and everything. Make sure to follow me on my social media, Snapchat, JBSU, Instagram, JBSU18, and Twitter, at Perfect Flute. Now let's get talking. Symphony. Hey, welcome to my podcast. We have another new guest for this episode, and you can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Amy Lyle, an author from Atlanta. Thank you for having me on the show, Jackie. (laughs) No problem. Um, So how is it in Atlanta? It is spring has sprung. There's flowers everywhere and it's um it's about 70 degrees today. It was a little chilly with the wind, but it I mean that's pretty nice. Oh my goodness. It's not that way here at all in Indiana. It's still rainy and wet. There's nothing blooming. <laughs> that's I I don't like that. It's no. Spring has sprung. It's spring has sprung and it needs to be warm now. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that because last week it was cold and there was like a tornado warning. I mean, it was just crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been to Indiana, but yeah, I'm from Ohio. That, so nothing similar. to get excited over. <laughs> well, I'm from a neighboring, a bordering state. I'm from Ohio. Right. Yeah. So I hear you. It's like I'm envisioning it similar like cornfields and. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's, what, that's what Ohio is. I mean, Pretty it's not much. all yeah. No, but it's very like farm based. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. What do I do? Um okay, so originally I was like you, a recruiter for many, many years, and then I took a uh nonprofit uh volunteer job as an actor. And uh, it was so fun and it was so funny. I was like, who writes these little skits? They're hilarious. And they're like, oh, you, you, do you want to write them? You can submit a writing sample. So I submitted a writing sample, started writing plays for a nonprofit, and it kind of gave me the bug to write a screenplay. So I wrote the screenplay. And when uh, it's a female-centric uh, comedy, kind of like a bridesmaids meets bad moms, really funny. And um, I got handed over, uh, recommended to an, an entertainment attorney. And the entertainment attorney said, well, I don't care how funny you are. Uh, you don't know anyone. You don't have any money. And you're nobody, so I'm not going to represent you. And I was like, what? That makes me that makes me really sad. So he gave me some free advice. He's like, look, you have to get on the map. Write a book and get a lot of press about it or, you know, I do stand-up comedies like, you know, start doing more stand-up comedy, but you you got to have a lot of press when I look up your name. And I was like, well, what would I write a book about? And he's like, write what you know. So I wrote a book called The Book of Failures. And, um, you know, I went nuts trying to get press. I had this big, uh, you know, party to release it with 333 women. We, were, you know, gave away 200 prizes. It was amazing. And it became number one on Amazon and it's been on the, you know, top, uh, bestsellers list in a hard category, humor and entertainment with like, uh, Trevor Noah and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Kevin Hart, David Sedaris, um, for coming up in May, it'll be two years on the bestsellers list. And, um, when I was promoting the book, um, every Friday on Facebook, I'd put a Friday fail 
and I put one of my failures and Jackie, people were so funny commenting. They're like, oh yeah, you did this. Listen to this story. And their stories were so funny that I started writing them down and I created, um, I had like 55,000 words. And so I wrote another book called we're all a mess. It's okay. And that's a collection of disasters and indignant indignities from other people. And, um, it's so funny. So it's, you know, I, we took only the best stories. So it's like 39,000 or 42,000 words, but anyway, so it's, you know, divided in categories like worst dating stories, worst travel stories, you know, worst family stories. And, um, it's really funny. So anyway, um, and that one's a bestseller on Amazon as well, but, um, the net net of it, I got a lot of press. I ended up getting, um, a, a regular spot on a, on a morning show in Atlanta called Atlanta company. They're so sweet to me. And I ended up getting uh, a movie deal. Um, that, attorney that you know gave me that advice uh now represents me oh and i recognize you know i recognize he wasn't being mean he was just being honest you know Blunt. he was just like this is what you yeah. have to do yeah yeah he's like you want to do it this is what you do so so the film shoots this uh fall in atlanta that's crazy <laughs> i know really it actually is crazy i almost won't believe it until it happens to be honest with you like until it really happens i won't believe it but you know, my contract said that's what's happening. So I hope that's what's really happening. Right. <laughs> that's insane. And this is in two years. Yes. Well, yeah, I released the first book May of 2017, you know, and that kind of took about a year. So, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's going on three years since I started writing my first book, published it or the second book and published it. So it's going to, it's going to come up on like three years, but I wrote that this is, People don't know this about the movie business, or maybe they do. It, it's been seven years since I wrote the screenplay. Like, it took a really long time because I had this mentor that worked for Disney. He vetted films for Disney. Um, anyway, so I'd send him the film to uh, edit or whatever to give yeah. me feedback, and he, he would take six months to get back to me because he had a real job. And so the, the, you know, the tweaking of it took years. And um, it, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I Yes. <laughs> I know. But then I heard like Lincoln, the movie Lincoln that won Academy Awards last year, it took 15 years to, to bring into development. Mm-mm. Yeah. So the last couple of years, um, even before uh, that attorney turned me down, I was trying to get this certain producer to work with me. And her name's Suzanne Jerva. And she, actually, she used to work for DreamWorks. Um, but now she's an independent film and she just, she literally had years worth of projects. And so, you know, that's what happens if you want to work with a certain actor or you want to work with a certain director or you want to work with a certain producer, you gotta, you gotta get on the list. Right. Yeah. So anyway, it's been really exciting. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like it. Yeah. Yes. So, um, are you, so are you coming out with a film because you said screenplay. Yeah, it's being made. The mo- it's being made into a movie, and the movie's being shot this fall in oh, Atlanta. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I miss. I was like just fascinated yeah. by what you're saying. I completely missed that part. No, so, it's okay. So who's going to be in it? Do you know who's going to be in it for sure? You, you know, um, they let me fill out this big Excel spreadsheet of who I, like my dream people would be, but it's an independent film with, you know, the budget's just over, you know, a million dollars. And so you can only get like one big star. 
Um, you know, and, and that has to be somebody that's, um, you know, in between projects or whatever. But, um, I don't know, my dream protagonist would be Amanda Peet because the protagonist is kind of like this no nonsense kind of woman that, um, works in like a, you know, like a publication, like a Forbes or a wall street journal. Like she's a numbers person. And, um, I love Amanda Peet. So Amanda Peet, if you're listening, please consider being in my movie. <laughs> I mean, if not, I think that Tiffany Haddish should be in it. She's, she's Tiffany making, Haddish. Yeah, she's, she's making, so, she's, yeah, she's, I bet she'd be pretty good. For sure. There are so many talented actresses. Have you ever seen, have you ever watched the movie uh, Bridesmaids with Kristen Wiig? Yes. Okay. So you know everyone in that movie now because they're big stars. But when that movie was made, I mean, maybe you watch Saturday Night Live a lot, but like I didn't know any of those actors. I didn't watch Melissa McCarthy's show. I didn't watch Saturday Night live enough. I mean, I think I knew Kristen Wiig from like the target lady skit, you know, but I didn't, I mean, it's not like they were huge movie stars. They're not Jennifer Aniston or, you know, Angelina Jolie. And, um, I would love for my movie to be like that, like give talented second city comedians and groundlings comedians a chance because they're so talented. Right. And I feel like people have given me a chance. And so I want to, you know, give back like that, like, um, you know, I've um, hired this rapper that's all original, all original songs, and he did this amazing job coming up with four um, rap songs for the show. And then the other music is by a musician that's from Georgia, uh, Russ Still and the Moonshiners, and um, they're just like these amazing musicians. And um, so it's kind of fun. Like no one's heard of them, but maybe they will after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that you're on to something because who knows, like after this film, uh, there could be a second one that's developed and you can have a lot more, uh, you know, get, or give more chances to others as well. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that's the I hope that's the case. Yeah. I hope that's the case because everybody needs a chance and it just seems like Hollywood just uses the same actors over and over and over. And I think it was so smart. That was a Lorne Michaels film. So Lorne Michaels is the producer of Saturday Night Live. And so that's why those Saturday Night Live actors were in that because that's his film. It's kind of like Superstar or um, I don't know if Anchorman is a Lauren Michaels film. But, you know, he he makes a lot of films and he uses his Saturday Night Live actors. Right. Yeah. And it, and it, and it you know, catapults them into stardom, which is so generous of him because then they quit Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Um so, um, what inspired you to start writing? Um, well, I was kind of pushed into that. I mean, I've always had to, you know, I was a corporate trainer for a long time, so I had to do writing like a lot of role plays and stuff like that. And then, um, I shared with you when I was an actress, which I still have been working for them for years. I love the plays and I just thought they were so funny and I, I kind of had the same sense of humor that whoever was writing these little skits had. And so I thought it would be a good fit. And so that kind of gave me the writing bug because, you know, I started writing scripts for them, you know, all one year I wrote 40 scripts for them. Right. Yeah. So that kind of, I don't know, once you start writing, you, you just kind of like, you start seeing the world that way. You're, you're like, you hear a funny line or you hear, you know, you see something, um, you start 
seeing the world through that lens, like, oh, this would make a funny story, or oh, this would make a great movie scene, or this piece of dialogue would work here. And um, so it's kind of an addiction. Okay, I could see that. <laughs> I, um, everyone tells me the story of, you know, my pregnancy, because I don't, like I said, I don't know if you've listened to a lot of the episodes that I have, but I explain, like, pregnancy issues, and I've ex explained everything that I've gone through, especially in the relationship with him and his dad and things I went through college, yada, yada. They were like, well, you should write a book. <laughs> yes, everybody should write a book. I have no idea where I could begin. To be honest. Um, Do you want I me guess... to tell you where to begin? Sure. <laughs> if you really want to write a book, there's this great book out called Save the Cat. You can read it in the weekend, over the weekend. And actually, right now, you could go online and you could put in Save the Cat Beat Sheet, B-E-A-T Sheet. And it looks like an Excel spreadsheet and it gives you this beautiful outline. And they have them for screenplays. And they have them for novels um, as well. And so, like, let's say you wanted to do a novel and you were kind of saying, I want it to be around 400 pages. Mm -hmm. It would shuffle the deck and it would kind of tell you, like, okay, the first 50 pages should have some of this in it. And, you know, and the 50 to 100 should kind of have this. So it's like this beautiful outline that you can print off and have on your desk. And I bet if you looked at that outline, you'd be like, oh, I have an idea for that. And you could start writing those parts and then you could always fill in the other parts later. Do you know what I mean? Because I think some people have so many ideas, they don't know how to put them together. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. You know, but I have my blogs yeah. and stuff. So I have my mom blog and I, I explain a lot in that too. So it's just... Oh, yeah. I have to your mommy blog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. You, you visit it. <laughs> it's not it's much. Right. Yeah. I, just, I haven't written in it, in it in a while and I should be more consistent in it. Um, but... It's just, it's crazy busy, and I don't, I don't want to just talk about, you know, the pregnancy and stuff like that. Like, I've gone through yeah, a lot. Yeah, you'll grow with it. As your, <laughs> yeah. son, as your son grows, you'll grow with it, and you, just like you said, you'll have different feelings about your ex-relationship, and eventually you'll have new feelings about dating, and so it'll just evolve with you. Yeah, well, I'm actually involved um, with someone else. And okay. so it's different. Yeah. We've been dating officially since October of last year. So it's, huh. yeah, it's still pretty new. And it's just, it's, um, it's kind of amazing because he's very much of, of an entrepreneur. And so he is a, like a go-getter towards, you know, you, the amount that you put in is what you're going to make type deal. So um, yeah. he actually is one of the inspirations as to why, and I think him every time. For it, but as to why I started the podcast, because uh, we were actually yeah, when my ex broke up with me a week later, I was like, okay, I gotta talk to somebody. So we actually met on the app um, POF, and I know that a lot, there's a lot of um, uh, I guess negative things, yeah, <laughs> that happened with that app, but a lot of good <laughs> came out of it. Um, he was one of the first guys that I actually talked to, and it's just. We started off with as friends, and he encouraged me to start podcasts, and then just got, went into something else. So, I mean, so that I guess I could explain too. I mean, it was weird having someone else in my life, but he's more positive about everything, and so yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, it, it's very great. encouraging. That's the kind of person you want, right? That's encouraging. 
Yeah, yeah. He's very blunt mm-hmm. and honest. So he's actually featured on my um, episodes quite a bit. Linwood Storm is who he is. As annoying as he is, um, he does have a lot of a lot to say that a lot of people should take advice from. And but there's a lot of other things that I tell people to ignore, such as like him saying guys should get the girl with big tits and an ass and all this stuff. Like, I'm like, no, just no, (laughs) just don't. Have you interviewed him? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've interviewed him. Like on the show? Yeah. (laughs) On your podcast, you interview him? Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually a guest a lot. Yeah. And we actually, I collaborate with him on his um, podcast and he's just, he doesn't have it up yet. He's mainly just um, going towards like YouTube right now because he's trying to set up his site for his podcast. So nice. yeah, yeah. So we we kind of help out each you know, help each other out, and so that's something that we've got going on right now. But <laughs> you, the the last po- podcast that I had him in, we honestly got into it. <laughs> I mean, oh it was my bad. gosh, it got heated. Oh no! Yeah, I won't fight you, Jackie. I won't <laughs> no. fight you. Okay. <laughs> he does the same so many wrong things, and I just I had to keep telling him, just don't listen to him, just don't. Do you ever watch the Do you ever watch the View? Yeah, I swear they just fight on purpose so they can get like views. It seems like every day, yes, like every day on my Google feed, it's like so and so walks off the set, and I'm like, you know how many? It's like turning into Jerry Springer. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, well, because I think a lot of things, like when there's daytime shows, they're they're sketched. And so I think um, there's a lot of people that are annoyed with it, and they want to just break out of that norm. Mm-hmm. So I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long it will it will last. I don't know. And I think it's, I don't, I don't really, it just seems like it's all politics now, and it's like, Oh, it's so um, argumentative, you know. It's, it's like it's exhausting. Right? Yeah, I don't watch a whole lot of daytime shows. I don't. I mean, you see little oh, clips yeah. of stuff from here and there from Ellen and uh, the real. Yeah, yeah, like, I like you. I just watch clips usually on my phone, but I don't. Yeah, I can't work, so I can't be watching television during the day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and like, like mm-hmm. I said, a lot of them are script, and just like you said, a lot of them are politics. And then you know, I love the. The, the real, I mean, they they do talk about real topics, but a lot of it's a, just like social stuff, and so it's it's like a TMZ except it's a daytime daytime show. So I mean, I'm not really intrigued by it, just um, to a certain extent, just because. Oh, it, but the whole thing is just like Hollywood talk. Yeah, basically. Oh, okay. I'd yeah. rather have that than politics. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch the real. I mean, it has. I don't know if you know that show, Sister Sister. With T and Tamara Mori. It has um, Tamara Mari Housley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I've never watched it, but I, I've seen it like in People Magazine or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a pretty nice show. I mean, it, it just talks about a lot of the social stuff. Um, not, they're twins, right? Yeah, they're twins. But, but yeah, they're, they're it's just Tamara. Mm-hmm. It's not Tia. Tia oh, has her own that. thing going. Yeah. Um, I grew up watching them, and I resonate because I am a twin. And so, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I oh, love that show, girl. Do you have a sister or a girl identical? Yes, and uh, oh, that must be so weird. 
I don't like it. Never have. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, just, I have a, a story in my book about a lady that had tw- identical twins and she they put this little bracelets on them and the grandma took them off. And so they, like, for several times when the babies were, you know, until they one of them's finally developed like a very um, distinctive birthmark. Yeah. But she's like, several times they had to go back and get blood tests. They could not figure out which baby was which. Oh my goodness, no. Um, they did nail polish. Yes. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I I never have really liked being a twin just because you know you share everything and it gets annoying. People can't remember your names. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. We had different personalities, and it's just like, how do you not recognize that I'm me and she's her? Like, I I just don't get it. We look completely different, yet we still get mixed up. And, yes, uh, I don't even my sister. My sister, my sister um, was 15 months older than me, and I would say we don't look anything alike. And it was the same thing. And to this day, she was a preschool teacher. To this day, they're like, "You're my favorite preschool teacher." I'm like, "No, that's not me." <laughs> and she's right? like this super, right? super sweet maternal, you know, sweet woman. And I'm like this brass, you know, stand-up comic. It's so weird. So uh, I hear you, but we weren't even twins. <laughs> yeah no. oh well people do the best they can right so like half the time in school if no one could tell us part there was this um guy who would always be like hey twin like, it was <laughs> annoying it was so annoying and it's yeah even to this day are you they, close to your sister do what are you close to your sister um when we were younger yeah i mean i currently live with her so uh, You're like, can't... I can't get any closer. <laughs> yeah, it's that. And, and, you know, it's hard because, you know, we both disagree with one another a lot, um, yeah. especially with parenting. You know, she's my niece is um, the oldest of both of our kids, and but by a year. So um, I don't know. It's just different parenting styles. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. But the well, kids love young. each other. So it's sweet. Yes. Well, I mean, they yeah, get so excited. Good. My sister and I weren't close until I had a child. She had children very early, right out of, I mean, right out of school. And I didn't have my daughter until I was 33. And, but once I had a child, even though I still worked, I, I don't know. It's like, I could kind of see her side of things, I guess. And, um, we were, we got as close as we were ever going to be. And then, um, my sister was killed in a car wreck. She was killed in a accident it was just a freak accident oh, no. it was like raining so hard and she hydroplaned and um it was terrible it was a, it was um terrible losing her I had a lot of guilt like I just was um we just had two, diff- two different lives like imagine I'm in college and she's like married with kids you know what? like I, I was like what I just couldn't relate to her because I was so immature and just doing different things and um I have a lot of guilt about that because she probably needed me a lot but I'm like dude I don't want to hang out with you and your two kids mm-hmm. you know I was like what but um you know luckily later we mended things up yeah I'm so sorry yeah. no it, I mean you know she was a she was a Christian woman I know where she is um one of her daughters was with her that was terrible um that she died as well they they kept, but she gave, her daughter was able to give like seven of her organs and, um, she gave her heart to a little girl in Georgia 
and the uh, surviving sisters or two other older sisters got to meet the little girl that got their sister's heart isn't that so weird you see those videos and stuff all the time now because it's yeah. it's impactful it's just one of those like they they need that closure I guess I have no desire I, I, I don't I get I I don't know how I'd feel if it was my own daughter um, I don't get it, but you know what? You're right. To your point, they felt like they needed to, that gave them a lot of joy to, to know that. I mean, it, it gives me joy. I just don't need to, to meet anyone, but it gave them a lot of joy to, to meet that child that was living because they got Caroline's heart. Yeah. She was alive to Caroline. So it, it is, I can see where people would, would like that. Well, I don't know if you watched The Good Doctor. Um, there's this episode where this mom comes in the emergency room with her daughter and um, her daughter is like in a coma at this point oh, because they got into a car wreck and she had um, her daughter laying in the back seat because she said, I guess she was tired. Yeah. And yeah, so they get into this wreck. Her daughter's in a coma, but um, come to find out, she's pretty much brain dead. However, there is another patient that was, um, I guess she had got hold of a gun and had, you know, shot towards her face. So her face was all distorted while she needed a new face. Oh my gosh. So the mom had to make a decision. Oh my and God. Yeah. So, I mean, it was the most emotional, I guess, episode I've seen uh, because they had it to where all the doctors and stuff were lined up in the hallway as she strolled her daughter for surgery to get her face taken off. Like yeah. it, it was just, I mean, I could feel for her. And then, so like I burst into tears even more when she finally met the girl that had her daughter's face and she, oh she, she finally said my daughter, I mean, she just explained, um, who her daughter was, but she's like, that's not her on your face. You are your, your own person. And she's just like, yeah. yeah. So she, she finally that's came probably- to her. Yeah, she came to terms, but it was like she had to make that decision within 24 hours. I mean, I just, I could not imagine going in thinking that, oh, well, your daughter just needs medical attention and then, you know, she's no longer there and then, yeah, taking her face. Yeah, and the state of Georgia, they decide that for you. It's literally, they do so many brain scans and then they decide for you and say, we're moving, we're, we are, we are removing your child from child support, from uh, child support, from, um, life support. They make the decision for you. I couldn't do that. I know, but a lot of parents would never take their child off life support. I mean, they would just, their child's completely brain dead, you know, being kept alive by all that equipment. So, you know, that's, um, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but in the state of Georgia, they won't let you do that. You, well, because all you're doing is running in insurance and stuff right up and then paying more into it and knowing that your child... Yeah, they're not in a coma. Yeah, they're not in a coma. They're brain dead. That's yeah. a different different thing. Yeah. I get why so they're doing that, it, to, to save yeah. the parents from any more grief. I mean, because mm. they're already going through so much. And so, I mean, I can see the hospital's view, but I can also see the parents' view. Oh, me too. Because, like, it's just you don't want them to, (laughs) yeah. This is not um, turning into a funny show at all, Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I mean, we can. We could turn it into something else. Like I said, my podcasts are not organized by any means. Um, but yeah, so my that was an emotional thing. My sister inspire me, though. She did it. I have a chapter in my book about her because she really had this um, ability to live in the present. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't funny, like uh, try to be funny or naturally funny. She was just funny like when she wasn't trying to be funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which sometimes is the best kind of funny. But she was very... Um, serious minded and she was she was just very like she could just handle anything that was handed her way and um I don't think I have this I can, I do have a chapter in there about her but I can't remember if I have this specific story but one time we were um at the bus stop waiting for our kids to get off the bus and um she had a minivan and we're waiting we're going to go get ice cream after the kids got off the bus and we're we're sitting there and a tow truck comes by with her minivan on it you know what I mean? so weird like <laughs> like it was being you know it, it was her you know we're like what what what's happening and she she didn't freak out like I would have freaked out and the only thing she said she goes ah what about the ice cream <laughs> <laughs> like she was so calm and she knew like you know something was wrong like they um I forget I can't remember why it was being towed but it literally like they towed the wrong minivan like it was a Honda minivan you know there's like 1000 of them in the neighborhood they just towed the wrong minivan oh. and they so they brought it they brought it back but it was so funny she wasn't she wasn't like oh my gosh why are they taking my car she was just like oh how are you going to get the ice cream she's she's more of one of those that looks on the brighter side of things yeah and she's just you know the type of person that would like give you, you know, her last dollar or, you know, her last dollar. Um, she had a, um, vicious divorce and custody battle. And, um, I won't go into that, but she, she, it's just the way she handled things. She was so like, um, all right, this has been handed to me. So what's my next move? She wouldn't really think about what's happening. And I think that people need that. Don't you think like, it doesn't really do any good if someone's like, I've been recovered for six years from this. It's like, okay, that's fine. But what did you do the first day of recovery? You know, or your husband, you find out your husband's cheating. Okay. What did you do the next hour? Yeah. Like people need to know, cause that's when the real suffering is happening. Right. It's like, well, that's what I mentioned in my podcast as well is that stop living in the past. That's what is so wrong about the society is that a lot of the issues stay around because people cause it, you know, they, they make it, stick around they're not moving forward so stop living in the past stop bringing it up because like i have an episode oh well i don't um linwood storm does where we talked about removing of the statues and my point was why remove something that was of history why can't you place a new statue beside that one to represent how far we've come over what had happened before like why remove his I, I don't get that just to please people and I and I get why people are upset mm-hmm. I, I thoroughly do but at the same time I just can't help to think that you know we're not the same I, I mean personally no one who's upset about it went through what their ancestors did or anything like that. So why are you living the past? I don't know. I guess, um, I'm not African American. I'm white. I'm I'm white too. And so I guess, and I'm in the South, you know, I live in the South in Atlanta and I think 
the memories of that, like when you, this is, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not speaking for anyone. I'm just speaking right. for myself. Like if I, when I see a statue like that, I do think of the suffering in it, in it. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's not happening now, but like the repercussions of that, especially against African-Americans, it's like, that's what's going on today is because a entire population of people was denied opportunity, denied education. Right. Even in the right. state of Georgia now, the school system in one county, it looks like our, our schools up in the burbs look like private schools. They have tennis courts and they have this. If you go down to the inner city, it's dripping. It's damp. It is it is, and I and I'm I'm not for you know income redistribution. I'm not a socialist or anything like that. But I do think that a school, which is a government entity with federal funds, I think the school should be nice and clean and mm-hmm. safe. And so um, I guess I know this is a long answer, but like when I see a statue in Atlanta and it's like a preview, like somebody I can't even think off the top of my head, but you know somebody who was a prominent like in Charleston, South Carolina, got a prominent business person statue who was a slave owner and, you know, repressed all these people. I, I guess it pisses me off and I can't imagine how it would feel if you were black because you, you literally are still living from that repression. Like people are like, get over it. But really denying people education for years and years and years created you know, certain cultures. Right. Where, and, and so, I don't know, that's my long answer to that. I think oh, no, maybe I that's get, I completely, yeah. I, I agree. I do. I just see it from another a perspective as well because I, in the podcast, I did mention how is it any different from the history books that are being taught in schools? You're, you're, you're still yeah. being reminded, but still what's going to happen? Yeah. So how is but it maybe different? they should use them. Maybe yeah. they should put um, giant. You know how you that's have what historical I'm a, a giant. Yeah. That's what I said a, a bigger statue that represents how far we've come, uh, right beside the one, and like make sure that it's known that it's tearing down what had happened. Like, why can't that be a case? That way, that you'd be proud of like where you and like, how yeah, how kind of how far we've come with yeah. an explanation. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Because why but, remove something? Uh, yeah, because I mean. There's certain landmarks, and I get, I get it. I get, like I said, I completely agree with what you said. Um, you know, I'm not black either, but, um, you know, my son is half black, mm-hmm. so I have to be aware of how he would feel where he came from too. Yeah. And, uh, so I get it. I just don't get why anyone would want to remove the history because it's not. So are we just gonna burn history books? too? Uh, yeah. Because, I don't know. Well, you're eliminating something that happened to what? So that way you can consistently make, okay, th- they still make it an issue. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't matter if the statues are gone. The mm-hmm. issue still remains. So why why was the, the issue with the statues in the first place? People are still living in the past. So it's mm-hmm. never going to end. It's going to be a repetitive process. And in order to be accepting and like of um people who are trans people who are gay all that stuff to be accepted into a world of different people Mm -hmm. we have to move forward we can't keep bringing up issues that were of the past and so let me ask you a question about that let me ask you a question about that so if you watch the news 
it seems like our country is this absolute divide and any second, you know, riots going to break out. But what's going on in like my household and like, you know, I have friends all over the country. I have friends in California, I have friends in Ohio, friends in Chicago. And I will tell you that our children are the most colorblind I have ever. It's our kids are so far above what the adults are. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And so it's like, why don't we why don't we talk about that? Why don't we celebrate like it has changed our, you know, the way people view an inter, uh, interracial marriage, the way people uh, view uh, adoption of a, of a, you know, a, a, a child that's not your own race, the way people view that. Our kids are like oblivious to that. They really are. They don't see, they don't see color. They're like, yeah. what? You know, they, they don't. And to have, you know, like when I was growing up, the issue was, well, if you marry someone out of your race, your child will suffer because <laughs> they can't fit in with the, you know, this race and they can't fit in with this race. And you have heard people that are mixed race say that they're like, mm-hmm. I didn't have a home. I wasn't white enough for the whites and I didn't fit in with the, you know, black people because, you know, my mother was white or whatever. And so, but now it is not like that. It is so, and so I'm, I'm like, why can't we celebrate that we've come so far with, you know what I mean? I just feel like the media keeps perpetrating the hate, 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 hate. Like that's what they're, mm-hmm. they just get up every day to try that shoved that down our throats. And I'm like, I don't know where that's really going on. Is it true? Are they making it up? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure it is happening someplace, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of like, but in everyday life, our children are just like, it doesn't matter. Right. I just, I want to hang out with people that are cool and I want to hang out with people that are smart. And, um, I just think it's getting better and better with the opportunities. And it's, 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 it depends um, on how they're raised too, though, because if they're being taught, Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So it's all about parenting and preventing your child from seeing certain things that are being represented in the media. Cause there's a lot of fake news out there and there's a lot of stuff that, like you said, that, that just keeps shoving down your throat every negative thing and I think it's because people thrive on having something to fight about to fight against that they resonate with like I think they thrive on that rather than just letting it go I'm just someone who I don't um I don't know I I didn't really I read you know in school I read the history and all that stuff but to me I I don't see color and I know that's a typical white thing to say, but I don't. And I also don't um, support all of what white people are represented with either, or with black people, or the stereotypes that are, um, I guess, thrown out there. So mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I just I see everyone as everyone. You you are who you are. I, mm-hmm. I just, I don't see anything that's different. So I think everyone should just be like that. Just letting the past go and move mm-hmm. forward. I mean, but I, if you were African, if you were black in Atlanta and you were in an inner city school, mm-hmm. you're not going to let it go. And I don't blame them because you're in a shitty school. Right. I mean, it's, it really, I don't, I don't like to use the word fair, but like, that's not right. No, then those, it's not. Every child should have the have the opportunity to be in a well kept school, like with nice, 
with good teachers, yeah. with good lunches, with nice buses, like ev- that. I feel like education is the only thing that's going to pull people out of where they are. I mean, that's the number one thing. And to get cheap out on the ed, like we have money for all this other stuff, and to cheap out on that. And I'm I am excited that you know in Atlanta they are doing you know charter school systems. They are trying to you know, try some different things, but it needs to be remedied like immediately. We have all these billions of dollars from the lottery. I'm like, where is that money going? You know, it's supposed right. to be for the school system. I want to see it going. The burbs are fine. They have such a giant tax base. They're they're and you know, if the football team said, which I think they do, um, okay, that's going to be four thousand dollars for you to put your son to play football this year. That okay, so I'll let everyone know that. There was an issue with Skype, and it just cut the call. So we're going to continue from where she <laughs> left off. <laughs> oh, we were we were doing a tirade about the school system. And I was saying how in the burbs, if your kid played football, you know, the parents would just write a check for $4,000. But you can't do that in the inner city. I mean, there's just – there's parents that can't afford that. Right. And so – and I'm not saying everybody should be getting $4,000 for a football. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need to have um, – the school systems need to be better. They, they need to be, um, these people need to have a shot of getting a great education. You know, yeah. everyone should have, a, everyone should have the opportunity to have a great education. We actually had this. a podcast, um, that's on my podcast, actually black education. I participated in the discussion on behalf of my son and, um, also to give a perspective of, you know, being white and trying to learn and, uh, whatever. So, um, we actually discussed this and one of the things like anyone that was in the podcast everyone else except me was black so just letting you know um Mm -hmm. so um due to the topic yeah yeah they did (laughs) yeah yeah um but the thing that they brought up was yeah we know this is an issue but anyone that has a problem with it what are you going to do about it like stop pretty much bitching about the issue just to create more issues and using social media to hide behind your fight. Why don't right. you take your frustration and turn it into something that's more positive to create yes. a better outcome for everyone else to just, you know, so that way yeah. the kids can actually grow up in a better place. Like why, yeah. why that's, that's what we were discussing. Why live in the past? Why can't you move forward and do something about it? And so it's interesting that you brought up that, you know, the education, because it's exactly what we were discussing. And it's it's rough. It's de- It depends on the area that you live in and all that. But, you know, it just takes that one person to make a difference. And if it you, does. Yeah, so. I admire these, like, really creative principles that have been able to partner with companies. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, I, mean, I mean, it's um, – you're right. Sometimes it just takes one – person. Um, and I, I do think it's being brought to the forefront more and more and more, but like in 20 years, I don't want to be, you know, I, in 10 years, I don't want to be talking about this anymore. I want to, I want yeah. to know that every child in the United States of America is going to a nice clean school with great modern resources. Like give me a, it's just, you know, give me a break in my own County. Um, 
which is, you know, frankly, a, a, a fairly, you know, wealthy county. And I'm not saying I'm wealthy. I'm just saying the county is wealthy. <laughs> In Georgia, um, we have we have a huge population of of homeless people. We have a huge. It's so we have a huge population of people that are in jail for methamphetamine. We have a huge population of these orphans. You know, they don't, their parents have died of a drug overdose. And um, there's a great organization. I actually give 10% of my uh, first book proceeds to it called The Place of Forsyth. And one thing I love about them is they don't just put to your point, Jackie, they right. don't just talk about it or they, and they also don't, don't just put a bandaid on the problem. They are trying to fix the problem and help people become self-sufficient. I'll give you one example and it has to do with education. So parents, if you're poor, let's say you're a single mom and you only make minimum wage. Well, you can't work in the summer because where are your kids going to go? You can't afford daycare, right? right? So I never really thought about this to be honest with you. Because when I was a single mom, I was very lucky to have income that allowed me to, you know, have a uh, nice daycare. Actually, my sister was my nanny. But um, so they, um, through the churches and through the community, they raised all this money. And so they had a school program in the summer. It only cost like 50 grand. It, this, you know, this was for a couple of schools to participate. And they took kind of like the most at-risk kids and their parents that, you know, couldn't afford, you know, something in the summer and they had camp in the summer. And a lot of those kids had reading issues. Sometimes their, you know, English was, you know, second language for them. And so it was like the parents knew their kids were someplace nice during the day and, you know, having fun, but also um, getting some tutoring and the parents got to work, keep it, you know, because what would happen is the parents would quit their jobs in the summer and get on, um, unemployment because they couldn't afford daycare. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great program that, um, hopefully more and more, you know, this summer, more and more schools in our County, and then it'll hopefully spread throughout the state. But it's like, that's a real problem. If you're a working mom, we should reward working moms by subsidizing a little bit of their daycare. Right. But it, it, we don't. They either have to be 100 percent poor and be on assistance or be 100 percent. You know, you'd have to make 40 or 50 grand to right. be able to pay for the daycare. And so why don't we have something that's kind of in the middle of that that can subsidize them? So, yeah, this year they're only making nine dollars an hour. But if they work through the year, maybe next year they'll make 11, you know, whatever. So um, you're right. So I, I'm, I'm very proud of that organization for addressing very specific problems that impact these kids lives and the parents lives it's kind of kind of exciting yeah um i it, it's tough though because um my dad works for a big company that um you know insurance is real good whatever but because i, I don't qualify for a lot of stuff like i didn't qualify for scholarships because of what my dad made i didn't qualify for any grants because of my sure. dad made um, and then for me being a single mom, I try to apply for WIC and stuff like that just to help me out for the little bit, not a lot. I, I have a lot of pride and I don't like handouts. Um, but I needed some help and so I, I applied and I never heard back. So the entire time my son was on formula, it was out of pocket for me. Diapers are out of pocket for me. Um, his clothes are out of pocket for me. Everything was out of pocket for me. And it just sucks because I keep hearing all these moms that are single, like, taken, you know, on social media that they're not getting the right formula for the kid, but they have all these vouchers. I didn't have any help, so. It's interesting the way the government works. I have a, 
a niece that um, is a single mom. And so she gets, um, you know, and she, you know, she works, she has a job, but she's a student. She's a college student. So her tuition gets paid for. Well, only because a relative allows her to live there and only because a relative gave her a car and only because a relative, you know, um, you, you know, she doesn't have to pay rent. She can attend college because the tuition is free. But, and I, again, I don't want socialism. I want a program. I want temporary programs that are going to help people climb out of it to become productive taxpayers. Yeah. And, um, but if she didn't have all these relatives subsidizing her, she couldn't go back to college because where would she live? Right. Right. So you have free, you have free education, but you're, you're, you know, you're working a minimum. I think she works a retail store job. So she works for, you know, whatever, you know, low wages. So does that make sense? Yeah. Like there's no way you could afford to have an apartment working a minimum wage job part time and go to school. I guess maybe, maybe, maybe if you shared an apartment on with what happened, I think it depends on what uh, is going on. I don't think anyone can actually afford it working a minimum wage job, but if they did get grants and stuff, I think a lot of students use that towards their rent. And but what about daycare? She yeah. has she has relatives that watch her son all day. Yeah, I mean, and all weekend because she works all weekend. Yeah, and so it's really tricky, and it's kind of like, do I do I want the government to pick up the whole tab? No, but I just think we could do something better. I just think we could do something better, especially for, um, single moms that want to go back to school. There, there has to be something better than what, what's going on now. Yeah. But now there, I don't know if you know, Dove is actually, um, giving $5,000 to single dads. Oh, nice. So our, uh, dads in general, so they can take, um, I said maternally, uh, leave or yeah maternity so I said men, maternity men, leave yeah I got, I yeah, got you but I was play, doing play all words with men yes maternity <laughs> yeah um leave and it's because dads want to stay home and take care of the kid too and yeah. so a lot of times I think we all focus on just the women and not really the men because it's that uh, stigma that men be the breadwinners whatever but there's a lot of women out there that work hard too so I don't know if it should just be just the women that gets some help, but men need help too. Oh yeah. I yeah. love, um, did you watch the Ruth Ginsburg movie? No. Oh, I watched the movie and the documentary and, um, you know, she's a big, you know, women advocates person, you know, one of the most important people in our country actually fighting for women's rights. Right. But, um, she actually took on a case that to your point, um, a man, he lost his wife and then he was not eligible for any like social security benefits or benefits or anything. They're like, well, it was kind of like their attitude was like, well, who cares? Your wife died. She wasn't a wage earner. And he's like, wait, wait a minute. I, I have a child. Like she was watching my child. She's doing this. She's cooking, you know, all those things that moms do. And, um, and so she got the, the law changed. So now, you know, if you're a man and you lose your wife, you are eligible for social security benefits. Cause you obviously are going to have to incur many, many expenses. Um, when you lose a, when you lose your wife, cause mm -hmm. she was the caretaker of your children. So, um, yeah, but what happens if both parents are working, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's mm -hmm. not, um, I, I guess I would like to be a stay at home mom, but I, Oh, watch what you wish for, but I want to work. So I have always had this 
the need to just keep working. Yeah. And um, so if I were to be a stay at home mom, mm -hmm. I would still want to work and earn my own income. It's always about, I was raised to be independent and that's always yeah. how I've been. So yeah. I, even on dates and stuff, my mom hates it because I pay the tab and I just, I don't care. I, I don't have a care. I pay for it because I Well, you I could know. pay half the tab. Why are you paying the yeah. whole tab? If I'm in a relationship, it's different. Who's paying the tab if you're in a relationship? Me. Why? I don't just, know. I think it's just because okay. I well, that's know. That's none of my business. Who, yeah. If you want to pay the tab, pay the yeah. tab. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but it's also conversation, like, who's going to pay the tab this time? Like, it, it's a known fact, you know. But I don't necessarily like guys having to hold the door open for me. I can do it myself. Ah. I don't know. I just. Girl, I, you don't live in the South. Yeah. I just, um, I'm just very independent. And so I could do those things myself. What I would care more is more of the respect aspect sure. of a relationship. Or even if yeah. we were just dating, like going on dates, just, just respect me. That's all. Um, yeah. Don't, you know, do something that I'm going to regret I do doing think, this. I do think our kids. You know, they really have grown up with that statistic of like 50% of marriages end a divorce. You know, it, it's real. It may, it may be higher now. And so I think that they've seen that enough. And um, I do, I do, I, I think the whole like, I'm going to get married and stay home thing. I, I don't think that's on women's minds that much anymore. And if it is on their mind, that's fantastic. If people want to do that, do it. If you have passion for that, like my, my sister, she loved it. She was a preschool teacher part-time, but really she would have loved to just be home all the time. And, um, and she loved being a nanny for me because she could bring her little daughter over and play with my little daughter. But um, I, I think I like it that women have that attitude and they do understand like you do need to be able to provide for yourself because you don't know what's going to happen. And, exactly. and, and you are going to be responsible. If you have a child, you are going to be responsible for that child. Yeah. And you can't think that somebody else is going to be responsible for your child. So I do, I kind of like that. And I like your idea. I mean, I, I officially, you know, um, stay home, but I'm busy all day and I, of I, just, course. I, I work from the house. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I have appointments, you know, I have to go, go into different places, but um, normally, um, you know, I'm home when the kids get home normally, but they're older now they're in high school. So it's okay if I'm not home when they get home anyway. But to your point, like I, I was a stay at home mom for one year and it was the worst parenting year of my life because I was so stressed. I was in a new marriage, you know, blended family. He had three kids. I had one and it, it was crazy. And, um, I'm like, if you don't have something for yourself or you're not, it's a kind of a thankless thing, right? Being yeah. a mommy, like no one's like, good job unfolding the socks or, you know, this macaroni and cheese is great. Like it's kind of thankless. And, um, and it's the financial part of it. Yeah. And the financial part, you really miss it being, you know, independent, having your own money. So I, th I like your idea of that. Even if you ever stayed home, have, you still have your, your foot in the door a little bit to have an income. Yeah. Well, cause it's, I, I guess I've always like, um, I've always been smart about certain things. Like if I, with my ex, everything was in my name and there was a reason why, um, mm. because I didn't want there to be an instance where he kicked me out. I didn't have a place to stay and be like, okay, well, my name's on the lease too. I mean, what, what are we going to do? You know, all that type of stuff. But luckily it was just approaching the end of the contract. So 
<laughs> I guess it was good timing. <laughs> I mean, of all the things, I guess it was good timing that he did what he did. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I've, I pay for things cause I know I have the money to do so. Now I do let guys pay for it, but there's always like when I was bartending and someone would buy me a shot, I'm buying you one back. <laughs> That's very generous. Like I just, I, there's certain people that I will allow it because they know me and like, they know that if I'm super stressed, I just need that. And we hang out after the bar. Like it's not just, um, customers. <laughs> I do think that that's a good thing for women to have. I like that. I like where that's going, where it's like, no, it's 50, 50. I, I think it should be gone are the days where it's just like, here's the bill. You know, it's like, I think that's good. I think that's a good thing. Like we're going to share the house payment we're going to share the, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, both people are working and so both people can, can help with that. So well, I think I went out with my family. To, I went out with the family for a vacation and I, you know, I, my parents have taken care of me all my life. So what I did was I said, okay, excuse me. I go to the bathroom. I handed them my debit card before uh, the end of the dinner and that way it was already paid for by the time I got the check. And my dad thought that he was getting the check because I was sitting right beside him. I said, nope, I need my signature. They were like, you paid for this? Yes. My dad loves it when I do that. <laughs> I mean, my parents hate it. At the same time, they, li they like it, but they're always like, you need to use the money for this, this, this. Don't worry about me. I've got myself handled. I've taken care of my son by myself. I'm okay. Like, I, I figure out ways to handle. Like, if I have to sacrifice a meal for myself to feed him, I will. If I have to sacrifice a couple days' worth, I will. Like, I just, I put my needs on the bottom of the list. Yes. And that's, that's like, where I get in trouble a lot. Um, because of that, I don't have time to do stuff enough to appreciate myself. Which is why, you know, I'm trying to do more um, things like my... My ex and I are finally at to a point where I have every other weekend off. Because, nice. Yeah. So I try to use that time to do the things I needed to get done. Um, like I'm about to go to a, um, it's called an ND Fest because I'm vegetarian. Uh, so I, uh, I've never been to a festival like that. So it's a, it's a vegan festival and they're going to have a bunch of food samples, all that stuff. So it should be fun. It should be an interesting, uh, thing to go to. So that would not be on my list, Jackie, a vegan festival, but you do you. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> I, everyone says that, um, that they don't get why I am a vegetarian. No, no, um, I, I get, get it. I just it's completely I just... different, uh, from vegan. It is completely oh. different. Um, however, it's healthy. That's all. Yes. That's all it is. And it's so creative. Like if you see on my Instagram, I've attempted. I've made a steak out of garbanzo beans. Wow. Yeah. If you saw the photo, you would have never guessed that was garbanzo beans. Well, people get creative with that. Yeah. All right. As we close out. I want to I want to talk to you about something. So everything that we've been talking about, your openness and you're just you know so authentic. And um, I do speaking engagements about that all the time. And it's kind of like even though I have these two funny books out that are all about like you know funny disasters and dating stories and all that stuff. The the theme of the books are 
that's who you're drawn to. You're drawn to people that are authentic. And I think a lot of times as women, we try to be so perfect, so perfect, so perfect. But really, that's kind of why you're put on the earth to be authentic because you've learned from something, you know, and you share that with others. And um, people are drawn to that. So I appreciate you being so honest. Well, I... I (laughs) want everyone to know that I'm real I'm not someone like I don't I tried to script out one episode and I was like that took a lot of work because I know I'm not going to follow this like I just I already know and uh, like I said I I talk a lot but I'm very honest about um, my feelings and stuff I'm very I'm much more open now than I was back then and I think back then it's just because I was raised to care what other people thought even though yeah. in my mind I was I always said I don't care it was I was raised to care so then when as I you know went out to the adult world by myself I just something just switched on and I honestly stopped caring and I started being myself and I I've, I've never felt so much more um I guess at peace with how far I've come as an as an individual because I want my son to see a strong independent woman but I also want him to see that not everyone is dishonest and um, disrespectful and it's not just women men out there too like I, I want everyone to know that you can be you and still approach certain things in a um, appropriate yeah. manner and you've been through a lot and when you're and when you've been through a lot and you've survived it you have compassion for other people right it gives hope and you also it makes you less judgmental and a lot of people they can't even admit any of their own shortcomings at all and so it happens it makes them they can't even appreciate or laugh or you know acknowledge their own um, shortcomings it makes them not um, compassionate towards others because they're not even compassionate towards themselves. Right. So, um, but anyway, so it does that, you know, the books do have a theme of that. Just like, it's just a reminder. Like we're, we're put on this planet to help each other and to lift each other up. That's why we're here. And you know, whatever you've gone through, if you've survived it and you're, you know, as Oprah says, if you're still breathing, you still got a (laughs) shot, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta keep going. Right. But do you want me to, do you want me to give you my social media stuff? Yeah. You can send it to me in the email. Um, you do uh, mention that you're somewhat of a comedian. So I, in my podcast um, interviews, I do try to ha- ask some fun questions before oh, we me. close. Um, so this is going to be a random one. So what sport would be the funniest to add a mandatory amount of alcohol to? That one in the Olympics where they're like, oh my gosh, what's it called? It looks like they have a mop and they're trying to stab the concrete with the mop. What? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's no. like a winter sport and it's ice. And they're, they're like, and they're, it looks like they're literally like stabbing the concrete with a mop. And they have like a little puck that they're trying to move. It's not ho- hockey? No, it's not hockey. It's like an Olympic game, an Olympic sport. And they play it like in Norway, you know, in uh, snowy countries. A mop? Well, it's not a mop. It's like. It's kind of like a, a rake. And oh, like, rake, okay. rake, 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 I, I rake. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, oh, what's it called? It was actually in that show, King of Queens. They were joking about it because. It, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So 
Yes. Okay. Well, that that would be funny with a lot of alcohol, I think. Mm. I can see that. I can mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, let's see. What is something that everyone looks stupid doing? Um, something that everyone looks stupid doing i would say blowing their nose like nobody can do that with any refinement sneezing (laughs) oh sneezing too for sure yeah okay Mm -hmm. and then what is something that is really popular now but in five years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by i'm gonna say the 80s trends that are coming back it's so funny because my kids are wearing like the washed out jeans and like the champion sweatshirts like that stuff that we used to wear in the 80s it just makes me laugh so i think the washed out you know what i'm talking about like yeah. the i think that those will be out in five years for sure they'll be like what you think the hair is going to come back eventually i think partly like so, the hairstyle somewhat not the uh big poofy hair but i think somewhat i actually in high school um i used to crimp my hair of course you did i did because i liked the style <laughs> i got made fun of a lot because the humidity outside made my hair poof a little bit but it was just wavy it was just the way it looked i hope so i love 80s hair i love like I mean, my hair couldn't survive it now because I color it so much. So it can't, you can't do everything. You can't color it. But like when, when I was growing up in the eighties, like you perm your hair, like a spiral perm. And it, I mean, it was like as big as Marge, Marge Simpson. It was so big. I loved it. Right. And then what is the weirdest thing you've seen in someone else's home? I, it freaks me out when people stuff their pets. Oh, yeah, I don't like that either because then you're like staring at You're like, this is our bunny. bunny. He's a paperweight now, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That would creep me out because the dolls and stuff are already creepy. So why would you take a pet that that you've loved? Uh Uh-uh. No, I'm not going to do it. Was it taxidermy? That's what it's called? Yes. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. No, me either. <laughs> um, and then what used to be considered trashy but now is very classy? Um, you know what? I would pa- I I don't think they're classy, but I tolerate them. Like our college-age kids have little wrist tattoos. Mhm. And like my mother still, she just has a heart attack, but they're really pretty and you know, they can cover, cover them with a bracelet. So I think it's, it's really, it's so funny because I do think that's going to go out of style for like, cause it used to be, you're a badass if you had a tattoo, right? You're in the Navy or the Marines or you're in jail. And now like preppy yuppie girls get tattoos. And so I wonder I wonder what's going to happen if it's going to go out of style to get a tattoo. But I definitely think tattoos are something that can be really beautiful, especially if it says something mean, mean, uh, meaningful. My, um, I mentioned my husband's a widow. I think I mentioned that. And so, you know, they lost their mom when the kids lost their mom when they were very little. And so they have um, something on their body that reminds them of their mother. And I think that's really important to them. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think that's trashy at all. Right. Yeah. Right. 
It has to mean something. Yeah. I, yeah, I, totally I don't agree. like just random things, but if something that's really, really important to you, um, I mean, I would recommend your recruiter too from a job standpoint. You know, don't get it on your head or you're you know in some place visible because it will you may think why well, never want to work at a bank well you never know where you want to work so put it in some place that you could cover it if you needed to right yeah. yeah okay and then last question what is the funniest joke you know by heart oh my gosh jackie <laughs> I, I i do like story comedy observational comedy so i don't know a joke by heart i can tell you the opening line of my book it's not really a joke but it's kind of funny the opening line of the book of failures is i've been married for 20 years not to the same people but 20 years nonetheless it's not a joke it's just a funny saying Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't have, like, two guys walk into a bar. I don't really have that. Okay, well, I've got one for you. Okay, give it to me. What's the difference between a dog and a fox? I don't know. What? About five drinks. About five drinks? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. Yeah, it's short. gets to the point, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so, um... Everyone, make sure to follow her on her social media. I will post those in the description. It's pretty simple. My social media is like Amy Lyle. <laughs> I'll still post it just because. Okay. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to say, promotion or anything like that? I know you've mentioned quite a bit um, throughout the podcast, but anything you want to say before we? No. Um, my books, the, um, the Book of Failure and We're All a Mess Okay are uplifting books and um, they're available on Amazon. Make sure so that's where they out. can find them. Yeah, make sure they, you check them out. It'll make you laugh. They make good gifts too, like if you're going on like a girl's trip and they make uh, really funny books to read out loud. If you're going on a girl's trip or you're having a family event, like people send me pictures, it makes me so happy. It warms my heart when they send me a picture of like a group of women sitting around reading my book, drinking wine, laughing. Okay, I so if it. there was a hashtag... Everyone should use what, what what creative hashtag would you say? Everyone should a use hashtag for what? To for like, my book? Um, not just your book. Like if someone my were life. to purchase your book and they wanted to tag you in it, but what's a hashtag? Oh, a they could one? do hashtag book of failures, mm. or they could just tag me. I'm on everything. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and um, Instagram is author Amy Lyle, but Facebook and Twitter are just Amy Lyle. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just hashtag book of failures. Just yeah. use it. If you guys yeah. get the book, you guys checked it out, loved it. Use hashtag book of failures. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Jackie, for having me on this show. You're no so problem. sweet. <laughs> well, you are too. <laughs> and now you can rock the weekend with all your work done. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice having you and I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. And I'll post the links when you send them to me. Okay. All right. All right. Take good. care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. If you like the intro music, you can hear more and get your own custom beats by contacting me on Instagram at Music by Symphony. That's M-U-Z-I-K-B-Y-S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y. Once again, that's M-U-Z-I-K-B-Y-S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y.